Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for November 16th is Acts chapters 1 through 3. This is the Acts of the Apostles. It's the things that were done by those who were sent by Jesus Christ. Luke, it appears, was hired by a man named Theophilus, or maybe it was just a title because the name Theophilus literally means lover of God or friend of God, someone who is affectionate with God. Luke, the historian and the physician, compiled this account, and it begins with Jesus, the resurrected Christ, meeting with the disciples, telling them not to leave Jerusalem until they receive the promise from the Father that they've been probably expecting for at least three, three and a half years. He reminds them, John baptized with water. There's one coming after him who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you're about to receive this promise, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. So don't leave Jerusalem until you receive it. And when you do, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So wait in Jerusalem until you receive that power to be witnesses and then go throughout Jerusalem and all the surrounding areas, even to the ends of the earth. When he finished saying these things, he was taken up from them. Literally, physically, his body floated up into the air until it was hidden by the clouds in the sky. They stood there watching as if they were waiting for him to come back, hoping to catch another glimpse of him until two men appeared dressed in white clothes. We may want to assume they were angels, but let's not ever assume when we're reading the Bible. That's where false doctrines and false teachings come from, and it inhibits our learning. The word given to us literally says men. So two men appeared to them dressed in white clothes. Who were they? Were they angels? appearing as men? It's quite possible, but we don't know. And the men say, why are you looking to the clouds? This same Jesus will come back in the same way that he's left. He will physically and literally return. The disciples go off to pray. They're praying together, and it says in verse 14 of chapter 1, they were continually united in prayer. How is it that they could be continually united in prayer except or unless they were praying for the same things? They all wanted to see the same thing. It's not what Peter wanted. It's not what James or John or any of the others wanted. It's what God wanted. They were praying for God's will to be done. No doubt they were praying for that Holy Spirit to come and fill them and give them the power to be witnesses in accordance with the word they had received from Jesus. If we want unity in our church today, we have to be praying God's will, not our own. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the day of Pentecost. Penta being from the Greek word that we get the number 50 from. We call it Pentecost as Christians. It fell on the same day that the Jews celebrated Shavuot, 
also called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles, where they are reminded that we are in these earthly tents, these temporary dwelling places, that we are strangers here, that we're not to be living here or planning to stay here for all of eternity, but we're just passing through as a foreigner is traveling through a distant land. Traditionally, it's also the day on which the law was given on Mount Sinai down through Moses, and it's a day on which the Jews celebrated the day of harvest. It is also interesting that the word Pentecost or 50th is used because it was also prescribed in Leviticus 25 that there would be a 50th year break called the Jubilee, the year of Jubilee, on the 50th year where people would take the year off. They wouldn't plant, they wouldn't reap, they wouldn't sow, they would live off of their savings and all debts would be canceled. And in this 50th year was a great time of celebration, relaxation, and recommitment to relationship with one another and with God. Because it only happened once every 50 years and people didn't tend to live well past 100 or even to 100 for most of human history, it only happened once during the adult life of most people. This day of Pentecost is a marker in the church history because it's the day on which the Holy Spirit fell. People were changed dramatically. They were given power to do miraculous things. They received the Holy Spirit. Peter, who had a few weeks prior denied Jesus three times, is now speaking boldly before masses of people and telling them that they are guilty of crucifying the Son of God and that they need to repent. There's no altar call that's given, but God is working on the hearts of those listening to Peter, who initially thought these men were drunk because they were speaking in foreign languages. And there were people from 15 different regions or countries there. So 15 different languages were being heard. Tongues of fire came down from heaven, landed on the disciples and those who were there praying, and they all began speaking. The word tongue there literally means languages. So languages from heaven came down and rested on each one of them, and they all began speaking in different languages. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says he thanked God that he spoke in tongues more than any of the Corinthians. There's something to it, and we should all seek it. There's also nothing in Scripture that says the Holy Spirit would cease giving these kinds of gifts at some point in the future, as some teach. Peter stands up as he sees this filling of the Holy Spirit among the disciples and the confusion that's happening in the crowd. He stands up and confronts them and says, don't be alarmed. We're not drunk as some of you are trying to say. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. It's interesting how some people are always going to ascribe the work of God to the enemy especially when they don't understand. But it wasn't the work of the enemy. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's available for us today. Peter quotes from Joel chapter 2, says, Don't you guys remember, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. God speaks to his people through dreams and through visions. 
God speaks to us through other people as they prophesy to us. Be careful, though. Paul writes in Thessalonians 5 to test everything. He writes in Corinthians, don't despise prophecy. We are not to be walking around saying, thus saith the Lord, every time we have an inkling that God wants us to encourage somebody. But there's certainly nothing wrong with stopping and saying, you know, I just had this sense. God wants you to know that he loves you very much. Or as I was praying for you, I felt like God said, you don't have to worry. It's all going to be okay. Take that for what it's worth. But I had a sense that God wanted me to share that with you. It doesn't have to be a weird thing, but we are commanded in the New Testament to seek spiritual gifts and to use them to build others up. Peter punctuates the end of his sermon with the words, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both the Lord and Messiah, the anointed one who came and paid the penalty for our sins. He saves us, but he's also our Lord. He's Lord and Savior. He didn't give an altar call. He didn't ask them to bow their heads or raise their hands or walk down the aisle if they wanted to receive prayer. Not that there's anything wrong with walking down the aisle for prayer, but the very truth he spoke elicited such a response from the people that they questioned Peter. What do we need to do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It is important that each of you, each of us, everyone, if they want to have fellowship with God, if they want to spend eternity with him, and if they want to be part of the kingdom of heaven here on this earth, even now, beginning today, it is absolutely necessary that we each repent. That means change the way we think. No longer think according to the way of this world. No longer be motivated by trying to fit in with the people around us. We have to change. We have to rethink. The word repent means to re, which is again, pent, think. It's the word pence, be pensive. Rethink what we're doing. We have to stop sinning. We have to start living life the way God wants us to. And as we do this, as we rethink, as we repent and are baptized, baptism is a physical act before witnesses showing the world that I will no longer live. I'm going to die according to the ways of the flesh. I'm not going to live the way the world lives. And I'll be raised in new life. I'll be resurrected as was Jesus. And this resurrection is new life in him. It's walking and thinking and feeling and talking and doing everything the way he would have us to. Because true followers of Christ do not live their own lives. They live the life that God wants them to. In Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. There was a group of these believers who were devoted to studying, learning what the apostles were teaching. That's basically the entire New Testament, how the Old Testament predicts and confirms the New Testament, how the New Testament gives light to the Old Testament. 
They were devoted to it. How many of us today can say that we're devoted to learning the scriptures and understanding them? Devoted to breaking bread, having meals together, devoted to fellowship, hanging out with one another. They were devoted to it. They were devoted to prayer. Friends, if we want to have a successful, unified body of Christ, we must do the same things. It's here for us in black and white, showing us the way. If you really care about ushering in the kingdom of God, if you genuinely want to prepare this place for Jesus' return, we must be devoted to the teaching of the apostles of Jesus Christ. We must be devoted to having meals together. We have to be devoted to hanging out, having fellowship, true relationship building with one another. We have to be devoted to prayer. Are we devoted to these things? And if we're not, then perhaps that's the reason the world is the way it is. Maybe that's the reason we are the way we are, and we haven't yet attained what we really hope and want to be. All the believers were together, and they held all things in common. If anyone among them was lacking anything, the one with a surplus would just meet the need. They weren't tithing to a church. They were sharing everything they had. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from home to home. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Doesn't that sound wonderful? In chapter 3, Peter and John were walking into the temple, and they see a man there begging, who asks them for money. Peter looks straight at him and says, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. He grabs him by the hand and pulls him up, and this man is instantly made well. And they began praising God together. Of course, that caused quite a stir. People were questioning whether or not this had happened. Some people were probably wondering if Jesus himself was there. Peter makes the most of this opportunity to preach another sermon. He says, men, why are you guys surprised that this man was made well by the name of Jesus? Don't you know that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had placed his power and authority in the name of Jesus? It's by the faith in the name of Jesus that this man was made well. God has raised up his servant Jesus and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. May God bless us and turn us even more so from our evil ways. I don't know about you, friend, but when God met me, when God turned me from my evil ways, I was not really looking for him. But it was in his kindness that he revealed himself to me, that he very gently said, enough of that. It's time to put away those old things, the depression, the anger, the hurt, all of those things that are a result of focusing on yourself and trying to make your life the way you want it. They're not working for you. It was by God's kindness that he revealed that to me, that he 
brought me back to him and said, have you had enough now? Are you ready to try things my way? It's time to die to your old way of life. Be raised to new life in Christ, which is available for all who are willing to submit to his leadership, to repent of their sins, and to trust him for all of their ways, and to trust him and do the things he's calling us to do, not the things that we just want to do or that we think are right in accordance with the ways of this world. May God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. It is such a joy and a privilege and an honor to study through the Word of God with you. We'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested, I am a real estate agent serving buyers and sellers of real property in 16 states with Call It Closed International Realty. If you are looking to buy or sell real property, or if you are a real estate professional and interested in learning more about working with me or with Call It Closed International Realty, check us out at agentdaviddoty.com. Thank you so much for your consideration.